Hi, Holly. Welcome. Appreciate you uh, talking with me. Yeah. Just yeah. Wanted... Hi, James. Super Hi. excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So, Holly, you're a world-renowned uh, grant uh, writing expert, Amazon uh, best-selling author, and you love to coach uh, others about their uh, grant writing and business skills. That's your your thing. You mm -hmm. teach thousands of people uh, every week through your top-ranking podcast grant writing and funding, mm -hmm. how to take actionable bite-sized steps uh, in the skills in, in grant writing and business. So uh, you have a, a pretty uh, deep background in terms of grant writing, and it seems uh, th through, uh, through your career. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. What it, what it, what what is it? Uh, what has it been like for you? And what are you what are you doing now? Uh, give give us a sense. Sure. Yeah. And I just want to thank you again for uh, Dr. Pan for letting me come on your show. I mean, this is really exciting. You came on my uh, grant writing and funding um, a bit ago, so we can definitely sh share that link um, with your um, listeners out there as yeah, far sure. as that, because that was really great too to really lend more on the, the logic model and the research components of a grant. Um, but yeah, and that was great. So, but just to get back to your question as far as uh, where I started. So just to give you a, a brief kind of history rolling back <laughs> about 50, 15 years or so now. Gosh, it's probably getting past that now. But um, I originally, after the Asian tsunami, um, I went to Indonesia. And that was back in the mid 2000s, right? So it was um, like 2004. And then 2005, I was there in Indonesia. And um, it was really interesting because I was helping do a lot of community based work, right? And at this time, I had no experience in grants, I had been doing different work as far as like a teacher and doing different types of jobs and journalism and that sort of thing around the world. But I really wanted to help with community-based um, efforts, especially after disasters. So I went there and what I found out was many things, right? And one of the many things that I found out was that um, the, the people, when we actually, one of the major things that I found out was get to know the people that you're serving. And, um, you know, I came in under an NGO, very a startup NGO that had gotten funding from the monies coming out from this um, terrible event, right? Um, and then what the issue was, though, the NGO came in and they said, we're going to go open an after school um, kind of program for this, the students that had been shoved together in tents from different villages, et cetera. Uh, Non-governmental non organization. So that's like a yeah, so non-governmental. Non yeah, okay. yeah. So NGO, non-government organization. And, and basically they never asked the community if that's what they needed or if that's what they wanted. So that was mistake number one. And that's something I'll never forget. Like you always do your needs assessment, even if it doesn't have to be like a $30,000 needs assessment either. It can be just like communicating, right? Asking what people need and what they want, finding out where the gaps are. Um, so that this was is an important lesson that you, that you learned. That was like your, your right out of the gate. Something <laughs> yeah. it's, it's something you, you've, You've stayed, it stayed with you very much. Something you Definitely. Yeah. Something I always kind of reference back to. But, you know, after we stayed there for a while, then we as, um, you know, staff, we really started communicating, learning the language, forming relationships with the community and then saying, okay, if this isn't necessarily what you want, 
what do you want? What do you need? And um, so one of the ladies that I was with, and she was a local entrepreneur in the community, but her uh, water kiosk, she used to, you know, have a little kiosk that she had in the street with water and different snacks and stuff. It had gotten washed away in the tsunami. And she said, I just don't have the startup capital. All I need is 500 US dollars to restart this business so I can sustain and help the community and, and actually make a living. But she said, there's a money available from the big UN organizations that are there, but they never went out into the community very much at all, right? So it was, wow. she didn't know how to ask for the money. So I said, oh, I can be a liaison. So basically when I started writing grants, it was me recognizing that I can be a liaison and a skill set that I have in writing to help get money for different types of programs. And I was like, oh, so that's what I did. So I started reaching out to different communities to our different organizations and establishments to help her get the $500. So my first thing was to get $500 for someone to start a micro enterprise. And uh -huh. that just lit up my world. You know what I mean? She was able to succeed. And it was just like looking back saying, oh, I love doing this. I love being the connector, <laughs> if you will, yeah, and yeah. you know, utilizing those skills. So after that, I went back to um, DC area and I got a job at a grant writing firm and they serve different organizations all over the world in the nation and their niche was faith-based nonprofits. So they were super niche, but they still had many clients all over. And I loved having a job where I had 13 different clients and totally different programs, even though they're all faith-based. Some might have a small church, some might have a, you know, a drama program for at-risk kids, you know what I mean? Orphanages in Romania, like so different and diverse. And it just was like, this is interesting. This feeds me. I love being able to find money and help them get money for their mission and then see the impact. So um, yeah, that's what I started doing. And, and then I started traveling and working abroad and, and doing different things, working directly for nonprofits um, for many years for specific nonprofits to raise money. And then I went back to, I like, I want to serve more. So in 2014, I opened my own company and I started serving all different types of nonprofits as my own business, right? Uh -huh. um, instead of specifically working for one. And then even then I was like, I want to help more, but there's only one me, right? Like I need to like- Doing grant, yeah. writing, doing grant writing based <laughs> primarily or grant yeah, management? Yeah, okay. grant writing, grant management, um, fundraising events. I've done it all. Anything to bring in money for a nonprofit strategic planning, right? So really to like relook at, cause it's all interrelated as you know, like once you start looking at one thing, it's like mm -hmm. you can get really good and niched in one thing. So like grant writing for me, but then I've also been able to develop a great reputation as an event programmer because, you know, understanding that events and connecting with corporations, solicitation letters brings in money as well. Yeah, and you sure, need to sure. augment it. Right. So, um, so that's what I started doing. And then when I realized, you know, I wanted to help even more, how do I do that? I wrote my book. So I wrote my book. Um, originally it was called Wish Granted because I thought some, some nonprofits would come to me and they're like, we're a startup, Holly. We don't have, you know, we can't hire you. We don't have that kind of funding to hire you, um, you know, as an hourly or to work directly for us. So I said, well, let me teach you how to do that. And I figure if people have 20 bucks to buy a book, that's what can help them. So that's really, I went to another model to say, how else can I help people where they're at? Um, you know what I mean? And help more people. So that's when I wrote my book and started online courses and, um, and then my podcast as well. So I can really get the information out there and help just train up more people. Cause for me, it's like, I would love for like there to be 
hundreds of thousands of more freelancers out there helping nonprofits because there's so many nonprofits out there and they really need that. They need that connector. They need that liaison. They need that expertise so they can reach their mission. They are amazing and talented and passionate about their mission, but they need those other skill sets to really help support it. So when you say grant, right, let's take a step back real quick. Who gives grants? Like what are, Mm -hmm. when you're writing a grant, like what does that mean? Like who are you writing to? Like what are the different, yeah, sort of starting at that point. There's different grants and grants are basically, they're a type of a monetary aid, right? They're a type of monetary aid that necessarily doesn't have to be paid back. So it's not like a loan where a loan would be money that's given to you. And then usually there's some interest connected and you have to pay it back. Grants you, and I say normally don't have to pay it back because sometimes you might not get all the funding drawn down if you're not spending it right. It's not just free money. There are strings attached, right? There are certain requirements you have to meet, but generally it's money that you will not have to pay back, which is fantastic. So there's different types of grant programming. So there's grants from the federal government and a lot of us during this time in in recovering COVID-19, we're hearing a lot about the different types of funding um, that are grants. And then we're hearing the loans. We're hearing lot with EIDL and PPP. And if you spend it right, then it turns into a grant, blah, blah, blah. So that's Uh basically what they're saying. If you meet certain requirements, you're not going to have to pay that money back. So that's a grant. Federal government has different programs. They have actually different federal agencies. And these agencies are able to carry out over 900 grant programs. So there's a lot of different funding. And what the government's basically saying is, they're almost like subcontracting, right? They're paying different non-government organizations. There's that word again, NGO or nonprofits, right? To actually drive programs. So it's less bureaucratic. It's more grassroots. It's in your community. You know what you're serving. It's a lot. It makes more sense for the federal government to do it that way than to try to do these programs themselves in many ways, right? Um, So they're giving out different funds for that. And then you have foundations. So those would be non-governmental Um, places or organizations. So think maybe um, the Microsoft, you know what I mean? Foundations of the world, the Amazon Foundation, right? Those types of things. So they're actually corporate business. Um, Sometimes they're family trusts that want to give back to the community. So they want to give back, but they have a specific purpose. Like Amazon Foundation might not just give to anybody, right? Microsoft Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation doesn't give to anybody. They have their specific priority they want to give to. So you do have to figure out, you can't just, I say, you know, there's the thing that some grant writers will just send out the same solicitation letter to like 200 places just because they're called a foundation. That doesn't make any sense because all these foundations, it's their money and they want to give it to what they are passionate about, right? And what their priority is. So grants are just, yeah, they are, it's money that normally you don't have to be paid back and it's through different federal and foundation, private companies, um, different agencies that give out these types of funds. And then there's state and local government too, right? Absolutely. So a lot of times the federal government will say, okay, um, here we're going to give your state a certain amount of money, right? So maybe we're going to give you a certain amount for mental health. And this is how much you get. Now, how you spend it and how you divvy it out is 
up to you then, right? Right, right? So then the government would come in and they would say, okay, now we don't want to build up all the capacity just to handle this. Maybe we have our general, um, you know, behavioral health center, but we want to be able to fund the nonprofit organizations that have specific residential programs that serves, you know, different people that have different needs and we can fund out the money that way. So it's almost like that, what they call it the pass-through funding. You might've heard uh-huh. that term and that's federal money then that goes to the government. The government manages it and then sub contracts it out to um, their different entities in their state. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Like we have that with the uh, Florida Department of Education, 21st century, for instance, right? That money yeah. the federal government. That's one of many examples. So mm-hmm. you've done a, a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews, right? Over yeah. now, well over a hundred, right? You reached your hundred yes. uh, mark a few months ago, I think, right? Yeah. So, we just yeah, got it to 119 this week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Congratulations. So let me ask Thank you, like, you. so this, you focus on grants. I think that's like the theme. Yeah, and obviously you go beyond that too. But mm-hmm. can you maybe share like a few themes or lessons learned from these interviews? You have to like distill down some of like the most important like lessons that you've, you know, that, that you've learned or the things that you've, you've um, kind of heard again and again from the people you've interviewed related to our, you know, the field, grants, grant writing, that kind of thing. What, 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 what are some things you could, you could share? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's um, interesting because my podcast, um, Grant Writing and Funding, we have, like, I kind of have come across it in different ways. And how I really started it, too, was just on a, on a bet. <laughs> we were, like, it was like one of my friends and I were, like, kind of, like, help each other, push each other towards in our business. Uh-huh. And she just said, you need to start a podcast because I had been doing a different podcast before. She said, but no, you need to relate it to your business. And I said, I don't have the time because I knew what went into a podcast. Like, it takes a lot of work. So well done, Dr. Patton. Okay, so anyway, so we're looking at it and I said, she goes, just do five to 10 minutes, like little tips. Like that's all people really want anyways. Like just Uh do it. And I said, okay. So I started that. So a lot of my podcasts are, I call, they're called like solo. So it's just me, right? And I'm giving, and that's what I do. I like keep it 15, 20 minutes long and it's one actionable step a week, right? So Mm -hmm. like to say, let's look at your mission statement, right? Like, let's break down how to write a mission statement. Or if we're yeah. looking specifically at grants, like, let's figure out different places where you can find your research, you know, and how to do your research, kind of that portion of the grant. So it's really like breaking it down. And then I do a lot of downloadables that are free that relate to that. And then I also really like to start pulling in interviews. So I do have more of a mix now. Um, and I do a lot of interviews and they've been fantastic too, like people like yourself, because I like to get other experts onto the show because I obviously don't know everything. So it's nice for me to pull on experts on questions I have and my audience has that I can't answer. And that's been great in developing relationships, right? So Mm -hmm. as far as what I've learned, I've learned that you need a community. You do need to pull people in when you don't know it all. It's okay to say you don't know it all and to find out and to do the research and also to keep things very simple. Um, You really want your listeners, you want to listen to your listeners, right? Find out what they want. Let this even goes back to going to Indonesia and not asking with your community. Like I ask my community all the time, like, what do you guys want to hear? You know, send me some recommendations on what you want to hear. Uh-huh. And it's really that, that relationship building as far as what a podcast is. Um, and so I love it. Assessment. So and it relates to when you did grant writing work. Yeah. Um, so, but then also like in terms of the topics you picked up for your podcast. Yep. Right. Yep. 
Yeah, yep. that's something that I've so heard they go also. In and they vote. Yeah, on Facebook or whatever, they'll send me emails. It's a lot of fun. And then just the people that, you know, the common kind of themes coming up um, from a lot of the people that I interview, which has been really interesting, is it does, especially when we're talking about um, grants or funding related topics, it goes back to planning usually. What I hear over and over again is there's gotta be a plan tied to your mission, right? So there has to be some kind of structure. So I hear that a lot. The other main thing I really hear is um, it goes back to mindset. So I'm a big supporter on personal development and this is all tied into it. You know, it's having the confidence and the mindset and the positivity of actually applying for grants or any type of work with nonprofits because the burnout is real. You know, the exhaustion gets real, right? Like there's a lot of people that are just like spinning their wheels in nonprofits and with grants, there's a lot of rejection. And, you know, so it's really about having a positive mindset, um, you know, and, and hearing that from different people and no matter what are the industries that are tied to nonprofits, it goes back to personal development as well, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. So the positive mindset, uh, how does that, how do you know when you see it? Like, what is that, what does that really look like? Right. Well, I mean, it's really about, it's, it starts with you and to realize too, that, you know, any kind of failure, like if you're starting a business, so a lot of my listeners, they might be starting up a freelance um, consultancy, right? Um, if that's nonprofit consultancy or grant writer, that sort of thing. And a lot of the times they're like, okay, I'm ready to quit my job. And then when push comes to sh a shove or whatever, and I don't recommend them actually doing that. I'm not saying that, but a lot of times this is kind of the mentality is I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to make the same amount of money that I was making within two months. And everything's going to be great. And I'm going to get all my grants awarded, even though I've only written one before. Right. So there's like kind of like this really hyper. And uh -huh. then when it comes to really looking at the reality, they're like, Oh my gosh, I can never do this at all. And it's like almost like this, this pendulum, right. Going back and forth really, really hard. So it's like, let's come to the middle ground. <laughs> let's, do, uh -huh. let's increase your skills. Let's get a client on the side. Let's really get your plan in place. Once again, going back to that there, um, seeing what the needs are, what actually niche do you want to serve? Like, I love you, um, Dr. Van, cause you're doing like research. You're doing something very specific and looking at logic models and you know, your niche is really, really awesome. So that's what I always come back to too. It's like, you can't just serve everybody with everything. What is your passion? What is your why? Why do you actually want to do this? And once it goes back to your values, then people can be like, okay, now I'm aligned. Now I can get the confidence. Now I don't have the imposter syndrome and I can move forward and uh -huh. be very productive. Yeah. But having a, having a plan and then being ready and ready psychologically for the for the beginning of the that, that road so it might yeah, take and just being pragmatic yeah. 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 okay yeah. and also uh, grant writing you don't get every grant right even if you're the best grant writer in the world there's a lot of randomness don't get every right? grant. There's a, a lot of error kind of variance yeah. statistics like it's just sort there of there like, is there's a lot of things out of your control yeah there's sometimes you know the entities switch their priorities and it's just right. not a priority anymore. Sometimes they just don't have enough funding and so you don't get awarded. Sometimes you just didn't, you know, it just well, didn't me, fit the bill. So there's a lot of subjectivity you, like, to it. How do you deal with it when you, like when you've, you know, you, you wrote a grant, you put all your heart into it and you didn't get it. Cause that, that's happened. Yeah. All right? um, yeah. Like, yeah. No, it happens. To speak to that sort of like mindset piece. Talk a little bit about that. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I always tell people, um, you know, I tell a lot of grant writers because a common myth in grant writing, which 
some people may have heard that are listening is, oh, nonprofits will say, can you just write the grant? And if it gets awarded, I'll give you a commission of the grant that comes oh, in. Yeah. Right. So like say, then I'll pay you if it gets once because, you know, like if you win it, then you get paid. Um, well, there's a couple of fallacies about that, right? So the one is that that's actually, you cannot do that with federal grants. Like you have to write a specific budget and uh -huh. you cannot pay any of that money for things that were done before award. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. So it's only like post award. Um, so, and the other thing is, uh, and this is what I tell, this is what you say, okay, here you go. So when you have to have create these expectations with your clients or with the nonprofits before you even start and say, it may not get funded. However, I am creating a product for you. I'm doing a service by writing the grant, but it is a product. This product then can be used for many other things, even if it doesn't get awarded. First off, you're, you know, we're going to ask for feedback if it doesn't get awarded. That feedback is gold so we can reapply next time, right? So then you have a better chance of getting awarded. You can also use this grant and use the feedback incorporated to apply for other grants. You already have, will have an excellent basis. We're not just chasing the money, so we're developing a program built on the project you actually want to do so you're going to apply for, more, for right. more funding you can also turn it into a corporate solicitation letter a fundraising letter you can use the messaging on your website all the research that we do can be turned into other things so i say the repurposing of the material because it does take a lot of effort it takes a lot of work you're doing a lot of research so you want to make sure you just don't write it just for that grant you can use it for other purposes right. and that's why it sticks back to just don't chase the money but actually develop this on a project that you actually really do want funded and you will get it funded by using these other types of um, repurposing um, activities right so yeah, and I do say too, that's, and I it's all really time. Yeah, yeah. you'll hear. You'll so hear you go into it like. You, you hear yeah, about like lawyers trying to trying to yeah. uh, get, you know get people to write for free or do like a contingency thing or something like that, and it's really not a good idea, right? Obviously, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you don't hear lawyers getting asked that. Yeah. You don't hear other professionals getting asked to do that. Like, you're still yeah. putting your time, you're bringing your expertise, your knowledge, if you've paid for certifications, if you, you know what I mean? You should still get something because you're, you're offering a professional service and a product. So yeah, so that, that's very helpful to start that conversation right out of the gate with yourself and know it, but also with your clients. So they just don't think, oh man, it didn't get awarded. You suck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that doesn't, that's not yeah. necessarily true. So. Not the expectation. Got it. Okay. So yeah. when, uh, when starting to write a grant, what's the first step? And you might've referred to this a little bit before, but if you would say kind of like you're talking to someone about, okay, this is the beginning. It's a bit overwhelming. You know, someone who maybe hasn't you know, led the, a grant writing effort before, yeah. like where, where do they even start? Like what's that first, like, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, I actually, I love that you're asking this because I actually, I've developed, it's called the Grants Formula and it's free. It's on my website. People can download that. So definitely go check it out if you want this. It's, and there's little videos that go with it, but it's a very short little video series with downloadables. And I talk about the Grants Formula. So grants, um, and I'm a grant writer, so we use acronyms all the time. So grants is actually an acronym, right? Uh -huh. So the G is get the FOA. And the FOA is the funding opportunity announcement. So first I'm like, read it, get it. <laughs> Just don't start writing 
writing on a blank page. You've got to figure out what you're writing to, right? Um, so you're going to find out what they're asking, if you're even eligible, all of that stuff, because you don't want right. to put all this effort and then find out you're not even eligible. So get the FOA. The mm -hmm. R stands for research. So you need to be able to research the actual needs and the target population. So who are you serving? Is there really even a need here? And that goes back to your needs and strengths assessment and really figuring that out, yeah. getting your data, right? And having all that, because the other thing is writing grants isn't just a flowery narrative of like, we need help, help us and showing how awful the situation is. It's using statistics and data to back that up, right? So it's it's very like a technical writing. To make the um, case and then, that the, the, or the community or the organization needs the money, like to be basically yeah. making that case. Okay, got it. So if you're writing a grant, say for, you know, um, the behavioral health services, you're saying, you know, how many organizations are doing it um, in your community? Is there a lack, right? Is there a need for that to be developed? You're clearly showing that. You're clearly showing that there's a lot of like maybe suicidal rates or um, looking at different types of um, mental health needs and you're pointing those out um, okay. using data. And then, uh, yeah, so, um, and then you go into your A. So the A in the grants formula is to articulate your goals. So you really wanna make sure that you have your goals, you have, um, so a specific goal on what you wanna do. You know, we are going to increase the mental health for say youth in our community, right? And then how are you gonna do that? You have to have your objectives clearly pointed out. Um, and then you have to really be clear. And I use this with the SMART, another little acronym, but specific, um, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. So you really have to say what you're gonna do in your grant, right? Specifically. So you have your articulation, be very articulate in what you're doing. Okay. Um, and then you have your, let's see, we're on to end now. So you really want to narrow that down. You want to narrow down your objectives. You want to have a timeline. And that's where I think you come in a lot of the time as well, right? So it's not just, we're going to do this program. We're going to hire some people, some counselors, and it's going to be awesome. Like you have to say, well, how many, when, who is going to hire them? When is it going to, when are they going to be hired? You know, exactly. You, know, you have to really spell it out. So that goes into the T as well. So to timetable your activities. Okay. And that's just so important and left out. So even having a little chart, you don't, it doesn't have to be all narrative in a grant, right? All just text. You can actually use little charts and stuff as well. That really helps break up that white copy a little bit and helps people read it. Visuals more. are very helpful for reviewers, right? Because if oh, somebody, good. yes, yeah, yes. it really, it stands I mean, out, yeah. make sure they yeah. see it right when they're scoring. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, so it really helps to have like, oh, I see, you know, there's a little chart there and, you know, you're going to do this activity. So you're saying you have this big goal and then uh -huh. you have these, you narrow down these objectives that are very smart, right? They're very, they have a timeline. We're going to hire, you know, three psychologists by uh, month six, you know, and they're going to be, um, to be able to serve 500 people, whatever. You're being very specific, right? You're giving timelines. You're, so you're doing all the smart thing. And then you have to put it into your chart, right? You have to put it into a timetable. When are they going to be hired? Who's going to hire them, right? Oh, the executive director. So your activity, and then who's responsible? When is the date on that? And then how you're going to evaluate that that gets done. So that's as simple as it needs to be. It doesn't have to be crazy or complicated, but your chart, you can just say, okay, the executive director is going to hire them by month two, and we're going to evaluate that by their being hired. Right? Right. It doesn't have to it be shows, complicated. It shows mm -hmm. to the reviewer that it's realistic, that it's thought out. Yeah, that it's, exactly. It's super clear. They're okay. like, 
they're like, yeah, okay, if, if uh, we're going to give you $500,000, you've got to plan. You know, so it's a very, it, you can actually do it. We see how this is going to be implemented. And that leads to the S in the grants formula is strategic budget. You need to have a strategic budget included with that. Well, how much does it cost for those um, three people to get hired? If you're not going to hire them until month six, don't put their entire salary for the year in your budget. Those types of things, right? Just to be able to be very clear on, on your following. Once you have that chart, you have your objectives that are narrow, that are specific, they're smart, right? And then you have your chart, then it's very easy to develop your budget to say, oh, well, how much do we need to actually run this program? So just being strategic and making sure that your budget connects with the rest of your, your okay. grant. And that's just basically, yeah, that's it all together. So those are the main elements that you need to have in a grant. So just starting with those very basic elements, you can, uh -huh. any grant, that's a foundation grant, that can be two pages. That could be turned into 15 pages or 20 pages. You know what I mean? So those are your main elements in every single grant. Okay, great. Really helpful. Yeah. Right, so what are some common mistakes you've seen grant writers make? Like some very common ones that sort of helps us to sure. remember like what not to do. Right. That's always yeah. helpful to think I about. I think a lot of the times it's not doing step one, which is not really reading the budget very, or reading the, that FOA or the funding opportunity announcement, or they sometimes they call it the RFP request for proposal. So whatever that is out there saying here, this is what we're going to give you money for. You have to read that, right? So one of the main things, I don't see people reading those very thoroughly uh -huh. or responding to the criteria. Sometimes in foundation grants, I mean, they usually put a little blurb on, this is how we're actually going to score it. Right. Federal grants, absolutely. In the back, usually, is where they're going to say, we're going to give you 10% for this section, for your needs section. We're going to give you 30 points for your your um, goals, your objectives, et cetera. We're gonna give you 20 points for your budget, et cetera. But they usually have criteria listed there. And I always say, just pull that and make those all your headers in your grant and your application, okay. right? So if you're starting with your narrative, you don't start with a blank piece of paper. You copy and paste those criteria <laughs> to that. And then you start responding to that because that's how they're gonna score. So I see a lot of people don't do that or they want bold areas, and it makes it really hard for reviewers to get through your application or to even realize what you're trying to say if you're not right. responding directly to what they want to know, what they're asking you, right? So that's one right. huge. So if it stands out to them, they can see that very clearly, then they they know that you've addressed it, and so it helps yep. you with your score with your, the points, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, grand, you can... grand, they, they use rubrics to help uh, guide like the score that they assign. So they're usually looking they for do. things. Yeah. And so that's yeah, one that's way a, to make sure that you nail those, those things that they want. Yeah. right? Yeah. That's another thing I really encourage um, grant writers at any stage, even if you've never written a grant before and you want to become a grant writer is to apply to be a federal grant peer reviewer. So, um, and you can idea, do that yeah. as long as you have some experience. Yeah. And then you learn the process and the process is so, so valuable because you really realize, oh, this is how it gets done, right? It's by real people who actually read these and they have a criteria they have to follow. It uh -huh. just, it helps you become a better grant writer so much more. Um, so I always say do that. And plus you get paid to do it. Um, not a lot, but you get some money to review these different grants. And do they'll they'll train process. you and you get to know the whole process intimately and yeah. you get some compensation too, but just yeah. the process yeah. makes you a better grant writer. 
Oh, absolutely. Ten, like a million times. I still do grant reviewing. I love it. And I love to see all the different programs that are out there in the world. Like it's a really cool process. That's neat. Yeah. And you can do so, it at a distance too, or you have to usually go to like, okay, so nice. They used to do it where you had to go to DC and stay for like a week and all of that. Yeah. But since I've been doing it, like I've been doing it since like 2004, 14 or before that maybe no i think about 2012 i started doing it and it's been online since since all the all the agencies i've done have been online since then it okay. just it's so much more economical for sure, sure. the federal government to do it virtually so and now of course it makes more sense health-wise as well so mm -hmm. absolutely what, what would you say are like the low-hanging fruit like areas to provide good payoff with lower investment of time or energy in the proposal development process, maybe that you have not covered already, because you've covered a few. Right. But what would you say? Are yeah. The things you you got to do, like yeah. Right. I think you know part of it is being strategic in where you're finding your grants, and you know so to say, really look in your community. Your community is going to be one of the first places that's going to fund you. So a lot of people they might be a startup nonprofit, and they're going to say, but there's you know a. Uh, $300 million grant out there that I want to go after. And it's like, well, that's going to be really competitive. You need to like get your sea legs first with getting federal grants, you know, especially if there's not a lot of grants out there, like get foundation grants, get corporate monies, get local support, prove yourself so you can really show in your applications. You know, these are the different leverage partners we have because oh man, grant makers, they want to see leveraging all over the place as far as partners. They want to see what you've already done. You know, you have to show a history a lot of times of what types of programs you've run, how many grants you've gotten, who's, who has the qualifications to manage grants. Like I said, it's not just free money sitting out there. These are monies for a specific purpose that are given wow. out. And anybody, even I, I go back into this in my grant course, my right, and even in my book, and I talk about the mentality behind um, grants and thinking of yourself like a teenager asking your parents for money right? and they're not just gonna here you go you say I need $300 they're gonna say for what and you're gonna say well it's to join the soccer club and to get soccer shoes etc and they're gonna make sure that you've bought those things you're not just gonna take that $300 and go buy everyone um, dinner on your soccer team you know and then come back to your parents and say hey I still need the money for the enrollment and the shoes they're gonna say no way uh-uh we're not giving you money more money yeah, yeah. so I always say to come back, think of it like that. You're asking someone for money. It's their money. And they want to know that you're going to spend it on what you need to spend it on and what the needs are that you've shown, what the format is, what the timeline, you're going to spend it in the timeline that you said you're going to. And a lot of times they're going to ask for quotations and stuff like that. You know, they need to know that you're being a good steward of those monies. And that's how you can really think of it. So really being like, I am developing partnerships yeah. Don't just reach out to those foundations once a year in your in your community. You know what I mean? Ask if you can go to their board and just present on the different projects you're doing or ask them if they can come and help you out with something to try to develop relationships. You know, like this is just about get to know the board members, see if you can connect with that networking events or online virtual town halls, you know, ask them questions, um, invite them to your things that you're doing for free. Don't always just ask them for money, right? Try to be a reciprocal partner. And I think that's one of the biggest things I see is just people are like, I need money. And it's like, no, you need resources, right? If you, if all of a sudden a corp company came in and said, I'll pay you rent or you can stay in our building, you don't have to pay rent. 
you don't need the money for rent anymore. So a lot of times it's not that you need money, it's you need leveraged resources, you need partners, you need collaboration. And that can offset that kind of stress point for, for money. It's more about the resources. So yeah, go back I, I to love mindset, that. I love right? The, the way you said about the um, sort of like, ask like from like the perspective of like a teenager asking for money, like make the, yeah. make the, the case, like when they're successful, it, right? They make the clear case for why they need the money and what it's for and everything. And that the need is there. Yeah. Right? And they have, Oh yeah. They'll even say, you know, I'll, from you eight to nine, I'll be doing my homework now. Yeah. <laughs> they will put yeah. things in. Yep. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's basic. And that's, I think it's basic as grant writing can get is to use that kind of scenario to be like, okay, it doesn't have to be super complicated. It's yeah, yeah. we do this naturally anyways. Right. So so for people who are starting out, like what are some good resources? I mean, you have a, a book, you have, the, you have your, your resources. What are some other resources um, that are helpful when starting out learning how to how to write grants? Like what are some good Yeah, things? I mean, I say- the, the links, you know, I'll, I'll put some links. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I have uh, definitely some great resources, but there's so many more out there. There's a lot of different resources that people can use. And really it's about connecting in your community too. If you can connect with other uh, grant writers, um, instead of being like, oh, I'm competition, but collaborate with them, <laughs> you know, finding mentors, um, even looking to nonprofits. Sometimes it's just even volunteering for nonprofits in the beginning and writing some grants and getting familiar with it. That can be a fantastic resource. Um, joining nonprofit umbrellas, um, you know, in your community or in your region and finding out sources that way. So there, there are a ton of resources. I'd also say, you know, join LinkedIn groups about grant writing. Um, Facebook groups about grant writing, just start really connecting and finding people that you can ask questions and that you can develop relationships with. That's neat. Yeah, we connected over LinkedIn, right? Through LinkedIn. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, this works. It totally works. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right. And then I'll, we'll post some, some links and stuff like that uh, sure. as well. There's other things you yeah. think of specifically. When an organization is trying to find a grant writer, um, what are the things, I, I guess you probably hear this question, like, how do I find, like, you know, a grant writer? Like, what's the, what are the things I should do, look for, what, you know, how do I figure out who we're going to hire? Like, we're not going to do it internally. We want to hire someone else. How do we right. pick, find that person? Right. And I say, um, you know, a lot of it's you want to find a grant writer that has similar experience in the types of grants that you want to get. Maybe is familiar with the type of programs that you run, like I was referring back to behavioral health or working in certain community sectors. Um, you know, that can really help. You can ask the grant writers too, um, of course, what types of grants they've written, what types of grants they've had awarded, what their background of work is in. Um, and really compare that way. I think that's, um, you know, of course there's certifications, there's different things like that, but when it comes down to it, it's really, what have they done? You know, what, what types of relationships do they have and how passionate about are they about you, what you do? And of course, you know, you do have to look at pricing sometimes as well. Um, those are things that you have to have in your budget and your operations to consider. But a lot of times it is a lot more beneficial, even if the, the grant writer is a little bit more expensive to right. say, well, all of a sudden, um, you know, 
do I want to invest in someone full-time that I have to train up and don't have the resources to do, or do I want to hire someone to do a specific job, right, to write specific grants, to find specific grants, um, and that has the expertise behind it. So it's really looking at those types of your own risk and your own budget um, to figure that out. But um, a lot of times I just say, yeah, it's, it's going to them and saying, what kind of experience do they have? What kind of grants have they written? Um, even if you can get references of people have worked with that grant writer um, in the community from other nonprofits, that can also be helpful as well. Right. Um, yeah, and also giving people a chance. Maybe somebody wants to say, you know, they want to volunteer, they're just new to the game and they want to write some grants. Um, and they have some knowledge. I mean, another way that you can do this is if you do want to build internal capacity is to actually outsource and hire some types of courses or certification and allow your interns to go through that. And that's kind of a win-win because then you're building up your interns, your interns will be more excited to work for you because you know they're just not running and getting coffee or not really knowing what to do, um, but they actually have a course that they can go through and they can bring that on to any job after. So you're really doing them a service, but then also you're, you're helping them help you, right? So that's another way you can do it as well. So think out of the box for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Very helpful. Yeah. Right. So where, where can we follow your work? Um, you have uh, obviously website, podcasts, all that stuff. You'll, can you describe that again real quick? And, and uh, yeah, pretty much everything's on my course. website. So yeah, grantwritingandfunding.com, all one word. The and is spelled out. So grantwritingandfunding.com because we talk about more than just grants, um, but everything funding sure. related to it as well. Um, and then, yeah, then you'll be able to see where my podcast is on iTunes or any podcast player as well. It's the same name, Grant Writing and Funding. But okay. everything is, really, is on my website. Yeah, so, and then, yeah, you can link out to my YouTube channel, LinkedIn, all of that. But all of the resources are on the website. All right, so people can, can uh, you said LinkedIn uh, and face, Facebook too, the Facebook. Yeah, uh, I'm on Facebook a little bit. I have a private group on Facebook, so I'm more active in that than just in okay. general. So my private group, um, and then I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram um, and YouTube the most. Okay. So, yeah. All right, great. How, how do you like uh, Instagram for the work that you do? Is that actually, is there, how does that compare with LinkedIn and what, give me I a love it. Yeah. I love it. It's different. It's for a different purpose. So LinkedIn for me, it's connecting with professionals. I, I think every professional at in 2020 should be on LinkedIn. Like yeah. absolutely. Even my, I teach at college, like I was saying, in my professional writing course, one of the things I have them all do is they have to get up, they have to do a LinkedIn profile and they have to publish an article on LinkedIn. Like that's huh. how adamant right. I am about it. Right. Um, because that's the new resume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the new resume. So they need to be up there. And then um, the other, Instagram, compared to Instagram. Instagram, totally different platform. Um, but it's good because it's easy, it's connecting. Um, the hashtags I find a little bit easier to use. LinkedIn has gotten better on that, but hashtags are still so great on, on Instagram as far as finding and networking with different people. Yeah. So I've, I've actually met a lot of people through Instagram as well through hashtags. So that's been really, really good. Yeah. So you so. do searches, you'll come up, it'll, they'll come up and you'll find out some new. Yeah. Like I was um, going to a personal development. My coach uh, is in Nashville. So I was going there and I thought, oh, I really, really want to connect with some other nonprofits, see what they're doing, get some people on my podcast while I'm there just connect. Right. And um, so I just did like hashtag nonprofit Nashville. And I was able to see like all of a sudden, you know, just, 
specific nonprofits in Nashville, you know, and then so it kind of like just whoop, took my search like this. And then I could see very clearly who was active, who I resonated with, all of that just through what they're putting on Instagram. And then I could easily connect with them, you know, so sometimes if you email them, it might get lost in it, but DMs still work pretty well. Um, so it was really nice just to kind of connect with people very easily that way on Instagram and to get a, get a very easy, fast like snapshot of their nonprofit culture through their feed. So yeah, that was great, nice. Great, great. Well, I will, uh, I'll definitely check that out more. I have an, I have an account, but yeah. I don't need to do that much. So cool. Well, great. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for joining. Thank you. This has been sharing fun. This. I think this will be so helpful for a lot of different people, a broad yeah. uh, range of people, backgrounds, students and other professionals and everything. So really uh, fortunate to have you here. Thank you. Thanks Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.